It's Wednesday, July 24th, and today we're talking with Kimberly Eubank and Bob Morris about Practical Agile. Kimberly comes from a large bank as a senior VP in charge of digital transformation and projects that use Scrum for that. And Bob Morris is a three-wheel principal Scrum master that works on some of the more complex projects we have here at Three-Wheel. We have a great conversation today talking about practical agile. How do you take agile and fit that within the context of the enterprise where it's not always agile throughout the organization. There's waterfall and other methodologies that you have to play nicely with to fit within the organization. It's a great topic. Looking forward to sharing what we have talked about today. Hi, and welcome to the Work Together Better podcast. This is Three Wheels official podcast about enterprise collaboration, how people, process, and technology combine to help organizations, departments, and teams work together better. All right, we're here with Kimberly Eubank and Bob Morris. And the topic we're going to cover is practical agile. And we were talking just before this, preparing for the podcast, and really almost had a podcast in itself before we started this, um, talking about the experience of how agile works in the real world at the enterprise level. Um, that there's so many things that you have to be aware of in your context of how you use agile to make sure it's the right tool in the first place and it has the right kind of uh, adjustment to communicate with others and kind of connect into an overall ecosystem of how things get done in the enterprise. The software is one component, it's not the whole thing. So um, wanted to have that as the topic and for us to start talking about, you know, what are some of those challenges that we have in the enterprise when we use Agile? Um, so, you know, Kimberly, what are your thoughts in terms of your kind of your biggest challenges that you see when Agile is used for the work that you get done? I know right now you have Agile Scrum teams in the work you're doing at your company today. Um, what, what are your top kind of challenges that you feel that it's not textbook, it's not written in the Agile rule book? but it's what you have to do to adjust to make Agile work in your company. Yeah, and, and I'm very much a proponent of, of kind of the, the practical Agile approach because every company's situation is different. Every company's evolution to Agile is different. Um, so in my current environment, um, and in most companies I've worked at, right, 75% of the company is still waterfall. And you've got a couple of pockets within the company who are trying to be Agile. And so, at the end of the day, my job is to not just get the code out, but also to deliver a, a, a cross-functional product. And so that means delivering the code, but that also means delivering the training to your front line, um, making sure that your marketing is in place, the holistic product development process. And so one of the challenges I think that I, I come in to the, to the process really looking at, okay, what is the most efficient way in this business with this business's processes for me and my team to get work done? And that 
likely isn't going to be textbook agile. Mm -hmm. So one of the challenges I have is when companies are trying to evolve to agile, they'll bring in agile coaches to try to teach you the right way to do it. Um, the challenge is, is that that agile coach doesn't really have the skin in the game to make sure that it actually gets delivered and delivered right. successfully. And they really are, um, quoting from you know the agile bible right so right? they're not asking about your organization and kind of the the uh, the ethos the dna of what how people work in the organization when they try to apply agile they're just coming in and saying this is how you use agile the correct way uh, typically yeah. um and if they do ask those questions it's um, it tends to be with the bent of how can I get everybody to do it the agile way mm -hmm. as opposed to looking at it as, oh, okay, I see that 75% of the company does it this way. So how can we adjust how you're going to use agile to better fit into the whole right. versus trying to get the whole to fit into you? Mm -hmm. And the reality is when you're <clears throat> one department doing agile in a sea of waterfall, you're the one that's going to bend, not the right. sea. I mean, right. that's just the reality, sure. the practical reality of large enterprise. Um, and Kimberly, I was going to say, I think another way to put the, what you're talking about with the external consultants is you see it a lot now where people are entirely too focused on the practices of Agile instead of the principles. And I know there's a lot of conversation happening now about sort of Agile fatigue in the terminology, but I think the principles are still fresh. And I think that's where the value is. Yeah, like I love the fact that you have sprints, that you can see the code um, before, you know, the unveiling of Waterfall. You can make sure that you're on the right track with the development team the whole way through. All of those things are valuable. Um, but when you get into, you know, it must be this way, I've found in my career that nothing is ever that way. And if you don't bend, then you're, you're going to be the one that breaks. Um, release, uh, release calendars tend to be, I think the biggest, um, the biggest actually day-to-day -day working challenge because waterfall locks requirements much earlier um, and they release on a common calendar. And we've had a lot of challenges in our business with testing environments. Um, which is just, you know, making sure that the right code branch is ready at the right time and mm -hmm. that the agile development teams are lined up with the, um, with the waterfall teams and that we aren't conflicting. And so just it, keeping all of that aligned and in a rhythm is, is hard. Um, because you very rarely are fortunate enough to, have an agile department that doesn't need any other systems from any other department, mm -hmm. right? I mean, my core systems that I have to go back to are waterfall systems. And so that means I've got to, I got to work it out. Like when are you releasing that code versus when I am releasing that code, that type of thing. Um, how, how do you address that when agile kind of traditionally people are going into a sprint, they plan what they're going to do and they have an outcome of working software, I see the challenge that you're saying is this is waterfall. If you want this integration that's part of your software solution to be put in place, you might have to get in a line that 
is six months down the road Absolutely. before you get into their release cycle to give you the dependency that you have. So are you doing spikes, you know, earlier on to set some requirements to say, I need, you know, as a part of this agile sprint, we have to do some work that we're going to realize maybe six months down the road. Is that how you kind of fit in that world where you do have dependencies that are, are more waterfall-like? We actually try to time it at the same time. So we adhere, um, the way we've gotten around it is we adhere to the enterprise release calendar. And there are tons of releases in our calendar. We have four major releases a year and three what we call alts, alt releases, which are like medium-sized. And then we have monthly releases. So there are 17 opportunities a year on the enterprise calendar to drop mm -hmm. code. Mm -hmm. um, so for us, we don't really need more than that. Right. Um, and so we try to align to their calendar. So, But to your point of upstream, right? Mm -hmm. Our centralized customer information database is involved in just about every single project we do. And I have to get that on their roadmap. My IT partners have to get that on their roadmap easily six months in advance. And so we won't then start necessarily working on that. Like we don't work and hold it. We will try to time it for the same release so that we're working on it at the same time. Okay. That's how we've kind of overcome it because we have so much work um, that there's always something that we can, can be doing right. while we're waiting to get to their time frame. So the things that you have in queue that, um, that need to be worked on is, is a much greater queue than you have time. And so you're just pulling the prioritized thing that doesn't have a dependency into that agile cycle yes. and kind of running your agile scrum team to go develop that and produce the best value towards the goal that you have for those items that are coming into the spread. Yes. The other thing that I still do that people may feel like is a little bit more waterfall-y is I roadmap at the Epic level. So everything is in Epic for me, that is a project, right? Um, and so everything starts as an epic for me. And then I place those epics based on business need, prioritization, the fact that um, another team needs something and they're planning on delivering it in July. So therefore, I'm an ancillary system to them. So I put it in July so that I don't hold them back. Right. Um, so I actually still do a release by release roadmap. Um, things change, mm -hmm. things move around, but it gives you an idea of kind of what's coming up right. so that we can have those conversations with other systems. But yes, I absolutely always have more stuff that I so need to do. So you're slotting out all those epics and then as you approach it, you start breaking it down into stories yes. and accomplishing it. And that's, that, that's very common. Mm -hmm. We see that quite a bit. Yeah, Kimberly, I'm curious. I know you, you integrate at the epic level with the releases with these other groups. Do you ever involve those other groups at any sort of interim point where they kind of get an idea of what's going on at the detail level in your group? Or is it totally, completely, you know, cordoned off just at the epic release? Like, you know, attending sprint reviews or... Uh, Scrum know, scrums. Yeah, or anything yeah. like that. We tried to have them attend PIs. 
um, that did not work because they have their day job to do and it was too much and they really didn't care about the whole thing. They just cared about that one conversation. Mm -hmm. So um, there are intake processes within our IT department where if you want to engage that centralized customer information database, for instance, right, they have an intake process. So our IT project manager will make sure that we get in into their process. And then when we get to the um, feature and story grooming, that's where, or the solution architecting, right? That's when we'd actually engage with them on what is the solution and how are we gonna write the requirements to make sure that we're um, building the same thing and that the pieces are gonna fit together at the end. But we tried to involve more folks at the PI level and it really didn't, um, it, it didn't work. They didn't. They didn't really want to invest that quantity of time. Right. So we just we kind of just stopped inviting them because they weren't attending anyway. Yeah. So yeah. that's very much a traditional waterfall kind mm -hmm. of engagement mm -hmm. model. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What would be any other big challenges that you see that makes you recognize that I have to adjust my agile methodology? That I can't just do it the traditional way. Um, you were talking about releases. I think that's a, a key thing that we see that um, you, you've got to communicate to folks that have dependencies that there's you know, massive training going on that they have to develop that, organize around it, and so they can't just in an agile way only have a day's notice to do an activity like that. Yeah. What are other challenges you see beyond release, uh, coordinating to a release cycle? So I, I think the one that you talked about is, is key. All the agile training um, that you'll hear is really, really about how do you write the requirements and deliver the software to production. Mm -hmm. But there is a whole other business side that has to happen before whatever you're realizing in production is real and it's customer care training right. it's um if you have a retail front you know your retail representative training um getting legal and compliance reviews depending on the business that you're in that may be harder than others and so um the, uh, there's this constant um we should be able to do things fast and we should be able to release code anytime we want and and that's on my IT side right and I'm like great I know I know why you want to get there but I don't actually ever want I'm never going to want to get to the point where I'm releasing code just whenever I feel like it because I can't communicate to my frontline and get them trained on things you know every other week it mm -hmm. needs to be packaged into something. Now, if that means that your company has um, four releases a year in Waterfall and you can get down to having one release a month, mm -hmm. great. You yeah. can get, but then, but then they know to expect yeah. that one release a month. So I think that is one of the, the challenges is making sure that um, the development and the business side of it, like marry so that you're, you're putting out a holistic product development yeah. effort and not yeah. just drop in code that nobody knows about. And if it has problems, you know, the hoo-ha yeah. is going to hit the fan. Yeah. Um, I think the other one is um, just talk track. Um, I was, I mentioned to you guys that I, I had a boss who um, hadn't really done like gotten really deep into product development process in the software delivery life cycle. And, and so 
he had embraced agile which was good but he was going around saying you know well, we should be able to do things you know from concept to production in eight weeks and we're tied to an enterprise release calendar mm -hmm. and so i had to kind of say you know what it's not going to be eight weeks and let me explain to you why because in a major release we have six sprints which are two weeks long. That right there is 12 weeks. Right. That doesn't talk about what happens before you get to the sprint. That doesn't talk about what needs to happen after the sprint is done, you know, gold code and all of that. Um, and so really the time from start to finish is X, right? It's not, it's not Y. Right. And when you go around saying to everybody why, you're setting your team up to fail. Mm -hmm. And so I think that there's been... Um, you know, the marketing of Agile has set some expectations that may be absolutely realized in a smaller company or a company that's 100% Agile, Agile. Yes, or doesn't right. have as many um, legal compliance hurdles mm -hmm. that it has to mm -hmm. go through. But that's that same expectation is probably not going to translate to large-scale enterprise. Right. As right. far as speed, yep. because the decision making in, in large scale enterprise um, is never going to be that fast. There's too many people that you have to get involved in. Right. right. Um, and I don't see that changing. You know, I've been through the safe. Mm -hmm. We tried mm -hmm. to do safe. Safe to me, they just took all the jobs that existed and renamed them and stuck them on one slide. Mm -hmm. But the decision making in your company didn't yeah. really change right. because you said we're doing safe. Yeah. Um, and so I still have to jump through all those hurdles. So I think just the, the educating about the practical reality versus the marketing mm -hmm. um, that's been put behind Agile is, you know, another challenge to get people kind of on the same page yeah. about expectations. Yeah. You were talking about earlier about the release cycles and and only releasing it say every you know six sprint to be consumed. Um, we actually learned that from you and your project a while back in major telecom that we would do these sprints that were two week sprints I think and mm -hmm. we go to a three week sprint that would be that major release and I think the the benefit of not just saying, well, why don't you just go to one release and why these interim releases that are part of these sprints? I think the benefit is you get to see what you're going to get and you have a level of accountability and predictability of we are on track. I'm not going to get this big bang and then all of a sudden realize that oh, that's not what I really expected to get. Um, you're, you're, I think you're mitigating that risk of I'm not getting what I thought I was going to get based on having those iterative or sprints that lead up to that final release sprint. And we, we've suggested that with other organizations of consider this release sprint um, and make that a little bit different because you know, we always experience this is you can barely get your testing done within an agile sprint. Usually people are dropping code like the day before the yep. sprint is being done. So we would kind of lock it down and say, we're all done with code. Now we're in this stabilization and ensuring we've got a good solid release. We're ready to release. So yeah. and, and I think if I remember that situation correctly, like we, you guys did, you did it in two weeks, you dropped the code, we tested it. If we saw anything, then you had the rest of the week 
to fix it before we released it to the end users. Versus pushing it off to the next sprint. Right. And that was great. I will say that, again, back to the right tool and the right situation, that was a self-contained product that wasn't customer-facing. It was an internal tool. And we... Um, we actually had the ability to have two versions. Like we could keep the production version mm-hmm. completely functioning during that week where we were testing it out. And so I, so you just raised another mm-hmm. challenge, mm-hmm. which is I have yet to be in a company that has perfect um, testing versus production. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so um, that is a challenge that we have is that what we test in lower environments is not really the equivalent of prime time. Right. And so therefore we have to, you, you know, in a perfect world, <clears throat> excuse me, in a perfect world, you'd test it and you'd drop the code and you don't need to retest it again because you tested the exact same thing. We actually have to get up on release morning and test it in production mm. because the lower environments are not one to one, and so stuff they, can they, and they does can't be happen. Integrated with every system that you <coughs> yes. have, yeah. The, the costs or the practicality is not there, and the data and data, yeah. right? Like yeah. you may not have all the data sets that you know for every single corner case. Mm-hmm. They didn't go grab that data just for expediency Mm -hmm. so there may be a case that you're not testing until first thing production morning um so i think that's another challenge Mm -hmm. um and i had that you know i worked for a fortune i don't even know five Mm ten company and that was a concern there and every single company i've worked at since um none of them have had that kind of one-to-one uh environment that would be so helpful in so mm-hmm. many ways. Mm-hmm. I mean, training, I mean, just, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's just, it's because the companies have, they're an amalgamation mm-hmm. of systems over time and acquisitions. And so it's just, right. it's not pretty underneath the covers. Yeah. 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 And I think that that's part of, you know, what's really driving the the DevOps movement right now, which is, you know, that's really getting a lot of airtime mm-hmm. in agile circles. But again, the challenge is if it's not, if you don't have one group owning that process from beginning to end, you've still got that challenge that you can only go so far. And then when you go the final step, you have to coordinate the group. There's no way around that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah, so yeah, I think the things at your disposal for using Agile are, are definitely going to depend on the organization you're in, um, the industry you're in, which might not um, lend itself to Agile at all. You, you might have some things you have to do from a software development standpoint that Agile is not the answer. It's not the hammer for everything. And we've also learned that sometimes you have to have a hybrid approach. And I think the way you describe it, you have to make it hybrid every time. You have to integrate it within your organization based on that how that organization works and we've looked at things like migrations for us that's been a big part of uh, a hybrid agile approach where we go from agile that discovers what do you need to customize in terms of the experience of what you get after you move the content do we need to do updating to the tooling that maybe is a a gap uh, of what needs to be done and then we take it into those strict waves of migrations that 
is really a waterfall step for us when we go through that. Yeah, and I think that the market has matured enough in knowledge of Agile that you can't just say that word and think you're going to get a good reception mm-hmm. every time. We, I mean, we recently had a workshop with a, a customer for a migration, and we were talking about the fact that, we, yeah, we're an Agile shop, and they actually got very concerned and excited about that because they were saying, that's not a good fit for us mm-hmm. for a migration. We, we need reliable gates that we go through. You have to be able to I think to I know that. who you're probably talking yeah. about. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, and we had to explain to them, no, we, we use Agile when it's appropriate for the portions of projects where we're doing things like we're doing code and feature development. But once we get into certain kinds of uh, project and work streams, like doing the migration, we'll use something different. It'll be a waterfall or an incremental, but it, it won't necessarily be an Agile. We'll use Agile principles. We'll do things like... We'll still have daily stand-ups. Everybody feels better that they're connected if we do that. We'll still be transparent about our progress. You know, we'll have information radiators about what percentage of the migration is done at a certain point, what's been moved over, what hasn't. Mm-hmm. But you, you can't just cling, like you said, dogmatically to right. these agile practices yeah. all the time. It just doesn't work. Fall back to the principles, I think. Yes. If you can yeah. think about what is the principle and apply it to the context that you're in is key to making it successful. Yeah, absolutely. And I would say that that hybrid, every mm-hmm. time I would go into a new company, mm-hmm. how I would hybridize mm-hmm. would be different, different at every yeah. company. Mm-hmm. It's it not like, agree. just because yeah. I figured it out at company A doesn't mean I can pick that up and take it to company B because company B's got completely different processes, right. completely different teams, completely different, different people, company. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so I completely agree with you. It's yeah. really about, it's taking the best parts of everything and putting yeah. it together mm-hmm. to form the most you know, efficient, expedient, holistic end result. Because right. yes. at the end of the day, you're there to complete a task. Right, and the, and the process should serve you. You shouldn't serve the process. Yes. Um, this has been a great conversation. I, I really appreciate the knowledge you guys have shared with our audience here, Kimberly and Bob. Um, you guys have great experience around Agile, making it real, making it practical, making it work within the enterprise and making it purpose fit. So uh, I think uh, folks that are interested in the topic should learn quite a bit and we appreciate that time you've invested in this conversation. Tony, shameless blog post. I yes. The, the, yeah. the topic we were talking about with the migration the hybrid approach, we actually have a blog post. Okay. It's awesome. Point people Austin, that. Austin, we'll link that up in the show notes. Great. Thanks for your time. Thank you. I really enjoyed it. All right. Adios. Thank you for listening to the Work Together Better podcast. We're available on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn. If you're looking for a partner to help you craft a modern digital workplace on the Microsoft Cloud, please come by and see us at 3will.com. That's the number three spelled out, W-I-L-L.com. Thank you and have a great day.